0: Mm-hmm. No no. No, okay, no, okay. No no, no 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 no. I'm just like <laughs> please don't <laughs> read the pod episode 48 where we always discuss the latest nebraska issues i'm stephanie and here with me today as always are april and melody hey ladies how's it going um i'm so
1: tired you cannot even believe it (laughs) me too marigold well let me tell you about this damn dog marigold she's so horrible guys Mm -hmm. she has figured out we have to keep the trash behind this door because otherwise she'll get into it and we tried every kind of trash can. It's all, all of the dog-proof trash cans are lies. So we get, <laughs> <laughs> so we we put a trash can behind the door. But the door doesn't always latch very well. But it's worked. Anyway, she figured out that if she taps it and she taps it hard enough with her nose, she can get it to bounce off the door frame, and it'll bounce just enough. She can put her nose through. And open the door all the way. So now she's getting in the trash. (laughs) And because she's getting in the trash, she's waking up in the night and vomiting. So like uh, having a newborn baby, I have to get up in the night with her. Last night, I got up two times in the night with her. Because you can hear it. They go, (laughs) you know it takes like 10 till they go and so you hear it and you're like get off the bed get off the bed go outside but you know you can't like think straight and you're just like "Uh, go 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 (laughs) and so then you have to get up and open the door and then you have to stand there and you're like okay well did my dog die out in the yard I can't hear her but she's not coming back and now I'm worried but it's too cold because I'm in my pajamas and Anyway, it, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, and it happens in the middle of the night, and I'm tired.
2: <laughs> Reason seven hundred ninety-eight: I can't have a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. I like visiting dogs, but mm-hmm. I don't want to live with a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would recommend a
1: less intelligent dog. <laughs> Big slobber dumb
2: dog. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, this or weekend, a small dog that is not stubborn.
0: That would this be weekend, good, too. I was talking to Chloe, um, my daughter, on her birthday, and in the middle of her telling me something very important in her life, I got distracted by this baby Corgi wiener dog. You guys, I, <laughs> I am not a dog person, but I felt very compelled that I needed a dog uh, <laughs> when I saw it. It was freaking adorable. I'll
2: so, drop Miracle off. It'll be no, fine. Thank you.
0: No, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No, 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 Stephanie...
2: no, 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 no. Stephanie. Stephanie like kind of collects pets sometimes mm-hmm. she has a lot of them. <laughs> and one time listeners I told her about a cat next door and I told her she couldn't have it because she told me to tell her not to get any more cats and then she got <laughs> mad at me and said I want it more because you told me
0: I can't <laughs> I like right. you mm-hmm. told me to tell you <laughs> I mean I was disappointed I did not get a kitten for my birthday so you can
2: come see this kitten. He's he does he did stay with the owners next door and he's adorable I and tried he's like to a dog
0: last time and he didn't want anything to do with he me He let me
2: pick him up the other day.
1: You know, there is like a state capital cat mm. that was gone for like a week and mm-hmm. just back? came back. It was like exactly. front page of the Lincoln mm-hmm. Journal Star
0: this morning. Yep. <laughs> Slow news day. <laughs> I was I was very, very happy to see his return.
1: I gotta yes. say, I really like living in a political time where the top Sunday newspaper in the capital city is like, capital cat has returned front page news. I'm just like,
2: (laughs) finally, it's not, you know, not like kids still in cages at the border. Well, that actually was front page news in some other newspapers. Well, I but know yes, there's a lot a, of noise, but difference. they're like
1: actively figuring it out, mm-hmm, and so, yeah. you know, I'm not quite ready to throw darts yeah, yeah. at that picture just yet. Um, yeah. It's incredibly complicated, and they, and they're they're returning kids back to yeah. their families, and you know, it's just, yeah. yep. it's just, and they're nice not turning to, away unaccompanied minors. Yeah, it's just nice to not feel the constant, ever-present pressure of impending full-on fascism. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh,
0: you
1: know, legislatures arguing about stuff. I I still feel it a little
0: bit. I gotta I I gotta be honest. Well
2: I mean Ricketts is still the governor. That's not yeah, that's but he just spent the weekend eating meat. So
0: (laughs) I would never wish harm upon anyone, but there are studies Mm -hmm. that would indicate that lots and lots (laughs) of meat negatively impacts your cardiovascular health.
1: I mean, so, you know, we actually on Seeing Red, one of the contributors, uh, Dr. Julia Schluck, she published about Pete's meat. Please don't. <laughs> um, Rickett's National Embarrassment of the Week.
2: <laughs> because last week was when he was a national embarrassment for mm-hmm. telling all of our kids will die from weed. Even Esquire
0: <laughs> was like... Nebraska's governor's gone full-on reefer madness. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Because all these other states, all the kids are dead, don't you know?
1: Yeah, so she goes through and just kind of goes, you know, brings the receipts about, like, what is healthy and what is not healthy and Mm -hmm. how meat impacts climate change and how meat Mm -hmm. impacts civil rights and how it impacts our water and, you know, all the things. And I love the very last line of her piece is, uh, sorry, Pete, but I don't want your meat. We deserve something better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, God. <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's a really good lead in to the thing we wanted to talk about tonight, which is there is a bill about student journalism. And, you know, they tried to filibuster it for three days. Uh, it's Senator Morfeld's bill. That's kind of been one of his leader issues uh, for his entire tenure. He did student papers in high school and college, and um, that's just near and dear to him. And so, you know, I thought we could talk about how important journalism is, how important seeing red is, uh, <coughs> why why it matters that journalists have protections, and why it matters that we're building a pipeline of journalists that are coming up in the ranks as newspapers and television stations across the country are more and more and more corporatized. It's almost impossible to find independent news anymore. You know, so anyway,
2: I thought we could talk about that. Yeah, so I actually had some experience with this. I was a high school journalist, fell in (laughs) love with it. That's the reason I moved here is because I wanted to come to UNL for their journalism program
1: are all your high school articles on the interwebs uh no
2: this is (laughs) (laughs) pre-inter no the interweb existed but not your own personal pages unless you were like super uber early night late 90s geek
1: you didn't have a um, a geo city website where you
2: kept your work no oh well but i do have some print copies around and once i think i told you guys once how I was I found some of them and I was like these are pretty good I'm not half bad (laughs) yeah I bet I bet they were great yeah I and I didn't even do like hard-hitting stuff what I was known for was research which will surprise no one since I'm a librarian now Mm -hmm. but um I liked to do the big what we called the middle spread when you open the newspaper up like I think of a student newspaper right? And it was it was folded in half, and when you would open it up, it would be the big spread across both pages and have the. Big I want picture. everyone to know April's holding up her hands. She's making them really
1: wide, <laughs> like she's opening the paper for us. So just imagine her doing that as she's telling
2: you this story. <laughs> and um, that was always like, it was not like an opinion piece or necessarily a hard news piece, but so I would always do those and do the research, and it was pretty funny because. I was doing a lot of research in the library and I did like a work, not a work study, but a, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a volunteer period there. And the librarian used to ask me, are you sure you don't want to be a librarian someday? And I was like, no, I'm going to be a journalist. (laughs) Here I am. Oh, the irony. (laughs) I know. I wish I could find her and tell her, but. So I did that and, and loved it. And then I came to journalism school and I did that for a couple of years. And I liked journalism I was worried about its future, and everybody was worried about it in the late 90s, early 2000s, because newspapers were shutting down, which is still happening. And I just had done a lot of work with children over the years, and so I explored teaching, and that's what I do. So I don't have a journalism degree which is a major thing I don't have, which is fine. So I'm not, it's necessarily a bona fide journalist. But I've been through some of the hoops and seen a lot of it. I have a lot of friends who work in local journalism in Nebraska. So, yeah. And what we've seen is that they are closing down. They have closed down over the years. Um, Some of them consolidated over the years.
1: Um, I mean, we can see it right in... Um, the two biggest cities in Nebraska, right, Omaha and Lincoln, and they do the majority of the coverage for state politics and national politics. And not that long ago, the Omaha World Herald let go of their Washington, D.C. correspondent, who had 20 years of friendships, contacts, networks in D.C., and his full-time job was just to find out what the Nebraska delegation is doing on behalf of Nebraskans. And they have someone else covering that shift, kind of, but they don't have any networks. That person was not apprenticed into the job. So who's watching the people in D.C.? Who's watching Deb Fisher and Ben Sasse and reporting back what they're doing? Who's watching Fortenberry, Smith, and Bacon? Nobody. Nobody's watching them. I mean, we are, but we're not. Yeah, seeing red is, but right, we're not in DC, and we don't get paid to do this work. Um, and so certainly we let things fall between the cracks. Uh, but how could we not? You know, I went to a trial at the federal courthouse, and the federal building is in Lincoln, and there's only one trial at a time, and so every case is kind of a big case because most cases do not go to trial. Most cases are pled before they hit trial. So I go to the trial and I noticed there was no press coverage mm-hmm. at all. The, the press was not there. There weren't any reporters. And I asked a local journalist about it. And I said, hey, you know, that this was kind of weird. There was no journalist. And they told me, oh, well, because the person who covers that was off that week. You know, they had... Hmm. They just had time off, like we all have time off from our jobs. Mm-hmm. That's how thin the local news is. It that's scary that we don't have any redundancy, that we're missing really important things that the government is doing because who can pay attention? All the stuff that was just happening in Mead, reporters weren't they weren't uh watchdogging the regulators. Because they the can't. Big, the big story that broke came out of The Guardian from the UK. Yeah. Exactly. And after all the meatpacking workers were getting COVID in Grand Island, mm-hmm. that came from a national investigative media company, too. Because the Nebraska yeah. reporters, they can barely keep up. We expect them to... They are mandated. We have to have them going to every city council meeting, every school board meeting, every county commissioner meeting, every, I mean, yep. across every county and every city in the state, but, but it's a dying industry and they're stretched too thin. They're not doing it. They can't.
2: So And let's be clear. It's dying because of the cost. It's not dying because it's not necessary mm-hmm. or needed. But it's kind of, it's not a great way to make money, to make a profit. And that's what these big companies want when they make it. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that that's also true, probably even more true for television journalism. Television journalism, you know, like when I went to school for journalism, we were taught that like journalism used to be a loss leader. So like NBC News knew they would lose money on their national news, but it was a public service they offered and it brought viewers in who might stay and watch other shows. And that is absolutely, this was back in the golden age, right? That's absolutely not how it works today. Um, These companies expect lots of bucks from their media companies. And it's constant push for clicks. That's why you see the, you know, like, I don't even want to bash on the journal star, but you do sometimes see dumb posts like, What do you think? And it's just clickbait mm-hmm. because they're just trying to get increased engagement numbers. And I also know people who've been in sales in journalism. And it's all about like, well, what are your engagement numbers? How many viewers do you have at this hour? Blah, 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 blah. And then I can put my ad here or you can put it on our website for this much. And it's all about the money. I wouldn't say that what I've seen and heard in Nebraska is that they're not, that they're avoiding topics because of money. Um, Not saying like, oh, we can't do that story about, I don't know, Pete Ricketts because He'll pull his AmeriCorps ads or whatever Ameritrade, what, I think Ameritrade. They avoid, but what they do do they do avoid is that, stories but I don't <laughs> think they avoid it for um, financial reasons. Um, they avoid them because they seem boring and they don't think, think they give them the engagement them they want
1: because they're terrified to lose access. So few people work in those roles and have access to the sources that if anybody burns any bridge, they don't have access anymore. I think there's there's stuff that they don't cover. So that, I mean, and this is in part why we founded Seeing Red, right? Like We thought we were seeing things and we were doing things that we couldn't get covered in the media. And we're like, fine, we'll just do it ourselves and we'll make space for stuff other people are doing. like The progressive movement's not getting the space it deserves.
2: The other thing that happens is And maybe like newspapers are an exception, but again, I'm thinking of TV where I have a lot of close friends who've worked over the years and continue to work. There's such high turnover. Mm -hmm. We're such a small market and journalism pays so little. I mean, that's why I left it for teaching. (laughs) 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 Um, It pays so little. They try to, they get here some, like a year of experience and they get the heck out of here to get into somewhere and make more money. And so they don't have the context or the depth of knowledge to know to push an issue or to know that this particular person has a history of blah blah or this company
0: or the connections with people to get information that would be interesting and needed by the community
1: you know yeah. what i wish they would do instead of i mean nationally of course i wish this but really we're talking about nebraska here what i wish the local journalism community i wish there was like someone who was i don't know let's say like a warren buffety type the White's family type, right? Like these very, very rich funders. I wish they would give a pile of money to all the reporters at the Journal Star and the World Herald and whatever other local papers are owned by out-of-state interests. Give them a pile of money so that they can all quit the brands and then start a journalism co-op where they run it and it is through some sort of like not capitalist structure so people can give money and they can raise money um because i think that's part of the problem too right like where you have these capitalism interests over the news interests i think there are some
2: there are some places where there's been a couple successful um those co-ops like you're talking about i don't know if that's the word they used but um I remember Denver there was a podcast. Like that. I was gonna say it's in Colorado because there was a podcast of some people who got laid off, and they started their own thing, um, and yeah. like that. And they broke an amazingly important story about what I remember listening it was um, recycling that you're paying for, and you think you're helping the planet, and it's not going to recycling. It's going straight to oh, the yeah, belt. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I listened to the same one. Yeah, so they can be successful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that is uh, so, you know, that's just all a big tapestry about why it's so important that we also have a robust student journalism, because this is you when you're teaching young people to think critically, to ask tough questions, don't accept things at face value. These are skills they can use their whole life. I mean, of course, you know, during the debate, This past week, senators were bringing things up like, well, you don't want a salacious, you know, you don't want your local high school newspaper to be the salacious social media gossip column. And that's true. Of course, you don't want that. And of course, you have a journalism teacher and they are working with the students and, you know, you trust them to be in charge of that process and say, okay, well, yes, We all heard the rumor that these two teachers are doing it in the back room, but we're not putting that in the local school newspaper right? um, because this is not a gossip column. But
2: these schools also, these newspapers also have like editorial processes and the students work with those too. Like, yes, there's an adult who will be the bottom line, you know, but most of these students are doing it for the right reasons. They don't want to publish that either. And then the editor of that section of the paper or whatever, or the editor in chief, you know, they have to prove themselves and they don't want to do that either. They want to do this for a living. It's a
1: far cry from saying no oversight to like, I feel like they're trying to create this paradigm where, if you give student journalism the protection it deserves to have a free press at high schools and colleges you're saying there will be no oversight and that's just not true right, right. whoever the faculty and teachers are that are overseeing these classes and these publications they're going they're they're going to do their job well and, and so- if something if something is published that you know they're gonna to have to defend it and they know that. So these things are already happening, but that does not mean you want the administration, the school board, the superintendent, they shouldn't need to sign off on the school
2: newspapers. So it's a reminder that this bill did not come up because we have a problem of high school students um, and their newspapers not being ethical, right? And needing more supervision this bill has come up to protect students' rights to investigate and write. Um, and so it's not that there's a problem going on that this is trying to fix in terms of you know, journalism integrity. This is a problem of them being marginalized and their rights being taken away. And that's what this bill aims to fix.
1: Right. I mean, this is the kind of thing where Students are wanting to publish about the critical issues of their day and it makes administrators uncomfortable. But just because it makes someone uncomfortable does not mean it's not worth publishing.
2: That's Um, kind of what Seeing Red does all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We do make people uncomfortable, that is true. Well, what I, so here's the irony is it seems like in the body, there's a lot of support for this bill. And, you know, I think they're probably still working out some details. There might be amendments. The language might finesse in this way or that way. You know, and who knows? That's kind of how the sausage is made. But so Senator Joni Albrecht from Thurston, she brought an amendment that basically said, she was trying to protect students from bad decisions they make in their writing that they want they don't want uh, hanging around their necks later, right? So that was something that she was really concerned about. So she's like, well, you might write something at 16, but you may not want to own that writing at 26, or 36. So that is why school administrators, not just the teacher, but school administrators need to be able to censor student publications. She did not win <laughs> that amendment. So, so
2: then <laughs> you can Let me tell, tell you, I just, stand by everything I wrote in high school and college still do. Yeah, I, told you, I, I found it and I've looked at it. I've got some of it in print and I still stand by it. And you know, some people won't. And
1: I think that's a separate issue about like, yeah. whether or not the internet should be able to follow you around for 40 years. Um, I think that's like a separate conversation. And it's a conversation they're having in the EU. And they've had, and mm-hmm. they've actually passed regulation. So it's a separate, it's related, but it is separate what she's talking about. Um, and then her other amendment was, She wanted to get rid of the ability of students to be in control of advertising content because Planned Parenthood might purchase space in a student newspaper. And, you know, really what she's worried about. And she brought, um, she brought the abortion bill last year that they broke every process and they put bad policy on the books that hurts um, women and those who can get pregnant. It is she said, if Planned Parenthood is able to purchase content, you know, we're going to have some major problems. Well, what's the problem with p- Parenthood? What's the problem with a 16-year-old getting pregnant and saying, you know, I'm not, this is a mistake. And I, this is a mistake I don't want to live with at 26. So I'm going to go ahead and have an abortion. So you're saying she was like, we have to protect young people from From their writing that they regret (laughs) in their writing. But however, if you get pregnant, just know you have to have one of the riskiest things that can happen to the human body. We are gonna force you to carry that fetus to term. You are going to live with the lifelong damage Uh... that it does to your body, and you get no choice in the matter. The government requires you to force your body through pregnancy, but also the government will protect you from saying rude things on the internet because we have to protect you at all costs from those decisions. That's her worldview. Good gravy. What? What? You're like, I just can't. That doesn't even make sense. No, they don't go together, right? Like they just don't (sighs) go together. Uh, so that was her thing. Let me read you the list. I want to read you the list of everybody who tried to stop the bill.
2: Um, so this is a good bill. And so the people stopping it are problem makers.
1: Right. And these are the same people who support every bad bill and oppose every good bill. Yep. They generally rep- oppose these. this group of people. It's the same people that oppose. Um, equal access to the ballot. It's the same people who support building new prisons and racist policy. It's the same people who want gun regulation while at the same time, they are um, saying that they care about domestic violence but they won't pass any of those bills, right? So, you know, these are just far right extremist senators just pretty much across the board. So I will read their names so we just know who they are. We've got Albrecht, Arch, Bosselman, Brewer, Clements, mm-hmm. Erdman, Friesen, Grony, Ben Hansen. We've
2: got Lowe. We've I bet I could Lowe. guess them if I was looking at an alphabetical. List. Oh,
1: you totally <laughs> could guess them. Merman. Keep going uh and that's our list
2: Jeez.
1: and so even, this, so even senators like where you're like oh I don't like some of their views but you can see because there's people that you might think of like right where you're like well where was where was Linahan because she um is trying to give tax breaks to the rich all the time so we don't you know people generally cut
2: schools, on the progressive
1: yeah. side don't like her Um, right but Linehan is supporting student journalism right because most of the senators can have points where they can be reasonable they have their issues where they cannot um, but most of them have points where they can but this this filibuster vote was a really good way to see just who in the body is unreasonable
2: yeah so I think this brings us to a really good point before we talk about our next bill but that We've kind of alluded to it before, but you you have to support journalism. in this state. You need to subscribe to your local paper or whatever paper is localish for you. And if you, you know, you can, a lot of them will get a digital subscription that's cheaper or you can get the paper one, you know, whatever. Seeing Red, we have a Patreon. We love our patrons and you guys keep us going and help us keep the a month. going. Yeah. We'll give you a shout out You get your own fuck you Fridays, sometimes you get extra little bonuses, like at Christmas, but, um, but no we're just one small call. Oh, winter, winter, solstice. winter solstice, I don't know
1: um, Yeah. Snowflakes. Because yes. our listeners are the snowflake population, and when we all <laughs> come together, we create an avalanche of progressive values, policy, and culture in this state.
2: So seriously, do it. And like the next time you're like, hey, mom, what's your Journal Star login? Just buy your own. They need the money. (laughs) It's the only way they're going to get better. (laughs) Or if you're a billionaire,
1: fund a journalism co-op. Don't subscribe to the Journal Star. Just fund the co-op and then steal all their reporters. (laughs) Yes,
2: please. That would work too. All right. I know we have another really important bill dangerous bill to talk about melody yeah so the other bill
1: um well first of all priority bills have all been set and priority bill designations are important because there's like eight nine hundred bills every single year and they cannot all be important (laughs) they just can't there's not enough time and Mm -hmm. so by designating something a priority bill a senator is saying this is the most important bill to me and committees get, I believe, two bills um, and the speaker gets 25 priority bills. And so once you know how many bills you have, then this, that helps the speaker set the schedule for the rest of the session. Because then the, she knows um, or he knows whoever's in charge which bills are most important. Right. So that is where we're at. So if your bill, if you care about a bill and it didn't get a priority tag, assume your bill is dead and it's not coming up for debate. Uh, that's it's pretty safe to assume that at this point. So a bill that I was really worried about and that worry has come to fruition is this bill called permitless carry. And the bill, what it does is it says, Counties can opt out of the concealed carry permit process. So their residents can carry uh, loaded guns, concealed, basically wherever they want, without the eight hours of mandatory training and without the background check that the permit process requires.
2: And And it's ludicrous. It's not rigorous training.
1: (laughs) It's a one-day class.
2: Yeah. Well, the gun Lobby
1: makes it sound like we'll have to take this whole day of classes. Yes, it's one day. And the other thing is, once you get your permit, as long as you renew it before it expires, you don't have to take the class again. So it's good five years, you can renew it. That one day of training turns out as good 10 years. Renew it, good 15 years. Renew it, good 20 years. Yep. One day of class, and you can basically have a concealed weapon in Nebraska forever, as long as you renew your permit on time. And they think that's too high of a bar. Can you even that's imagine? Ridiculous. Can you imagine, like, waking up in the morning and being like, you know, I don't know,
2: anybody, anything. Screw all of you. I'm kind, I'm of, a, <gasps> I'm kind of a learning nerd, and I hate to say this, and. Because my insurance agent listens to this podcast. Oh, no. But I've had to take stop class more than once. <laughs> <gasps> and, but I'm a nerd that I'm like, mm. well, I really am learning. <laughs> like, I've driven since I was six, 14 or 15. Mm. But yeah, sometimes there's stuff you forget and you're like, yeah, I really should. And I've picked up important things every time. Like, They change. Like they used to tell us, put your hands at 10 and 2. And now they don't recommend that anymore. Oh, they don't? No. Where do your hands go? 9 and 3. You have more control. And um, your mirrors, they should be so far out that you have to tilt your head all the way over to see the side of your car. Because your blind spot is farther out than the side Mm -hmm. of your car. And they should be pointed down further. Anyway, I'm just saying, we can all stand to learn something and do some review on things that can be deadly, like driving. Yeah. Or gun. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, I mean,
1: like, that would be so great if you got, you know, you got like a, oh, you did something naughty with your gun. You have to go back to class. I mean, but we don't have
2: that kind of
1: There's all kinds of misdemeanors you can get and you don't lose your gun privileges.
2: But so we don't even have that requirement, but then this bill would allow them to carry concealed. So they could be around you with this hidden gun or anyone without any permit process whatsoever, not even once in Mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Well, and here's the part, this is the quiet part that nobody
1: wants to say. There were, I believe, four different bills about the gun permit this year, and that's really interesting because as long as I've been watching, like the last five or six years, there's been no um, no bills about the gun permit. They don't really try to change it. They've been pretty happy with it. They think it's reasonable, you know. Like there's just no no movement on that. I was talking to an activist earlier this week um, that we've had on the pod, Bear Alexander, and he asked me, I said, you know, they just want to make it so that if somebody kills somebody, that they don't get in trouble for not having their permit. They want to make sure it's as easy as possible to legally kill somebody without getting in trouble. And he asked me, uh, well, how often does that happen where somebody tries to legally kill somebody, you know? And I said, well, I can think of one specific example that would give us a reason for why there are so many bills this year. Jake Gardner had an expired concealed carry permit. He was illegally concealed carrying and then he k- killed somebody being in a place he shouldn't have been because he intended to go downtown and hunt protesters and kill them, which he then did. Um, and they're terrified. They're now terrified that they're, they might be the next jake gardner because the gun lobby at its heart is racist and misogynist at its very heart um and you can see that you could see that in the capitol protests all those people um and all of the insignia that they are wearing um, they are turning out to be neo nazis at every level um as they're getting wrapped up in their own court proceedings right this is You know, and people think it's a stretch sometimes to make these comparisons, but it's not. Like the biggest, the gun store that does the most business or close to the most business in Nebraska is literally run by someone who held a very high leadership role in the Guard, one of the most infamous neo-Nazi groups in the United States. So, you know, to say that these people are neo-Nazis is not a stretch. Uh, many of them are. And this idea that eight hours of training and a background check is too high. It's just too high of a standard and it's not reasonable to hold people to it is bananas. It's bananas. Yeah. One thing, I know you love the numbers, April. I know you're a numbers nerd. Bring me the receipts. <laughs> Bring you the receipts. So they have passed similar policy in other places. And that's kind of nice when that happens because you can see what's, you know, what happens um, in those states and kind of project what might happen in your state. So well, in Alaska- have allowed permitless carry and you're gonna tell us right, what happened after, okay. Right. So in Alaska, they ended, they didn't require permits in 2003 And their aggravated assaults with firearms went up by 82% in 2017. So in four years? Dang. Well, 2003 to 2017. Well, 14 years. Still, Mm -hmm. that's humongous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when Missouri passed permitless carry, they saw a 25% rate of increase for aggravated assaults. within the year after passing their permitless carry. Yeah, it was fast. It just went up fast because Mm -hmm. suddenly everybody everywhere had a concealed weapon. And despite nonsense, like an armed society is a polite society. No, an armed society is a violent society. Mm -hmm. So Arizona, same thing. They got permitless carry and you'll be shocked to hear this, but their aggravated assaults went up and aggravated assaults are one that
2: involve a lethal weapon. Yeah. You know, I'm not polite because I'm afraid you'll shoot me if I don't. I'm polite because I'm a decent person. <laughs> right. And the people whom I'm most in danger of are people carrying a weapon who aren't polite. <laughs> right. Um, No, so that
1: it's, I mean, the data is crystal clear that this policy does increase um, violent assaults. It's just, it's crystal clear. And and just common sense would say, oh, you want to carry a loaded gun to my local grocery store where I'm shopping with my children? And you think having a background check and eight hours of training is too much? Before you interact with my children with a loaded gun in your pocket, hmm, okay, like that we, doesn't make sense.
2: And we already allow open carry. Yeah, I mean, and that no scares the dickens out open. of me. But at least I can oh, see yeah. it, and I can be like, I'm "Not going near that guy." I'll avoid Maybe I'll you. Even leave. I might even leave. Oh, I because, definitely leave. Yeah, um, I was actually today. We were in a small town, and there was nobody wearing a mask and I left. I was like, no, I'm not using that bathroom. (laughs) We found a city park to go get some exercise and I used that park bathroom because it was open and there ain't nobody in there. So if you think I can avoid, if I'm going to avoid coronavirus germs, I'm definitely going to avoid your gun.
1: Well, the thing about open carry, the only reason, unless you are law enforcement and that you're required to be open carrying a firearm. The only reason to openly carry a firearm is because you want someone to know you might kill them at any moment. There's just no other reason.
2: Mm -hmm. And we haven't talked about this yet, right though, but like, um, of people accidentally shoot themselves?
1: Oh yeah. That happens all the time.
2: And sometimes they shoot and injure themselves. And sometimes they accidentally shoot and kill themselves. Like even hunters Mm -hmm. who have hunting permits. There was one in Nebraska three years ago they found them there. And it was, it was, they had pretty good evidence that it wasn't a suicide and it was an accident.
1: Well, and the number one um, way people die by firearms in Nebraska is suicide. And it's mostly men in their twenties and fifties. So this doesn't, this will increase aggregated assaults and it possibly can increase other types of, firearm related deaths accidents suicides right all those kinds of things um so anyway the bill is nonsense the bill is nonsense uh and hopefully that bill will be defeated in a filibuster so we'll see so journalism good guns bad
2: (laughs) that's our summary
1: pretty much that's our summary and if you have questions you know for sure like Go to the NAGV website, go to the Facebook page or the Facebook group and uh, get involved because we need yep. help for sure.
2: And well, go to our Patreon page.
1: <laughs> go to our Patreon page. Do you have any final words for us, April? As a budding journalist <laughs> when you were youth who turned into one of the greatest radio journalists nebraska's
2: (laughs) ever seen let me hear i don't think i need to say anything honestly i've been super impressed with these student journalists and the way they're pushing um for transparency in their own rights and i can't wait for them to be the next generation to take up the mantle and more power to you um I don't think we need to tell them to like fight the good fights because they already know. They already do. Oh, gosh.
1: Oh, gosh. I'm so inspired by the youth, their work on climate, their work on racial justice, economic justice, climate justice, transparency in government, government that works for everyone, blah, 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 all the things, right? Like they're just on it.
2: Teens are already attuned to like what is inherently unfair and unjust and so we don't have to tell them to seek those stories out they do that but if if i would say anything i would say you're you are not the only ones who want these changes so keep it coming We're some of us are really trying and we need you next yep i love it i love it
1: well thank you to the greatest radio journalism
2: <laughs> in i expect a trophy
1: <laughs> you will you will get a participation trophy <laughs>
2: It's because you're such a snowflake, you have to give everyone a participation
1: trophy. That's right, because individually we're nothing. Nothing. It, It takes the collective, it takes the collective to do anything. So everyone gets a participation trophy, because even the best of us would be nothing without everybody running alongside them. So absolutely we give out participation trophies. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk with next time. Good that, week. good night.
2: <laughs> You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, politics from the left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, 10 or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.